Check, check, one, two, check.
Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island. It is such a joy to have each and every one of you uh, with us this morning, both members and non-members. Um, yes, we love having guests. Is there anyone who is a first-time guest? If so, would you please raise your hand? We have a little welcome bag that we would like to share with you to help you remember our church and also give you a little bit of information about our history. Any first-time visitors? Oh, good. Terrific. Right over here. We hope you will consider coming back. Before we start worship this morning, I have a bunch of announcements. I'd say a few, but it's a bunch. Um, restrooms are underneath the stairwell in the back. There are friendship registers on every pew. Please sign uh, and pass it to your neighbor. And if you are a visitor and you would like for us to get in touch with you or you'd like to sign up for our um, weekly email newsletter, The Flash, please put down your email or other contact information and somebody will get in touch with you. The nursery is over in the ministry center and um, it, all children age six and below are welcome to go over there. After the children's sermon this morning, the ushers will be glad to escort the kids over. And please remember to pick them up after the service. Flowers in the sanctuary this morning are given to the glory of God by Lars Strait in loving memory of her sister, Shelley. This Tuesday, the Stitch Sisters will meet at 10 a.m. in the church library. Preschool committee meets Tuesday also, but at 5.30. Um, due to a number of conflicting events on Edisto Island on uh, Tuesday, the fellowship committee has decided not to have a Fat Tuesday party and we'll come up with another fellowship event in the near future. Lent begins on Wednesday. This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. Um, there will be a service at six o'clock uh, here in the sanctuary, and there will be soup and cornbread that will follow after the service. The uh, Chimes Choir rehearses at Thursday, all, uh, at Thursday at 4 p.m., followed by the Adult Choir at 5 p.m. And building and grounds will also meet on Thursday, at 10, but at 10 a.m. over in the fellowship hall. There are more announcements, believe it or not. There are a lot more announcements. They're in the flash, so please be sure to read the flash, which will come out early Tuesday morning. Now we begin our service with the prelude.
As you are able, please stand and join me in the call to worship, which you'll find in your bulletin. Listen, for God is still speaking. Look, for God is still present. Worship, for God is in our midst. With loving hearts and open minds, we come into God's presence. With God's open heart and glorious presence, God welcomes us with love. Let us pray. God of majesty and might, you have blessed us with revelations of your glory. Give us the gift of faith that we may hear your voice and see Jesus revealed to us as we worship and praise you this day. Amen. Please remain standing as we sing hymn, A Wondrous Sight, O Vision Fair, printed in your bulletin. may be seated. 
Jesus invited his disciples to join him on the mountain where he was transfigured. We too are invited to witness to God's miracle, God's glory. That invitation begins with forgiveness. We believe that God can take the missteps of our lives and transform them into examples of peace and joy. So we are bold now to pray together our prayer of confession. Mighty and glorious God, even when we tremble in your presence, we rejoice in your willingness to live among and within us. Forgive us when we act if we can separate ourselves from the powerful presence. Forgive us when we hide ourselves from you, forgetting that in you nothing is hidden. Lift our eyes to see your glory. Lift our hearts to receive your grace. Lift our lives to reflect the mountain of your love that we may shine for all to see. In your glory and grace we pray. Amen. May we together stand as we hear the good news. The good news of our faith is this. If we call upon God, we will be answered and forgiven. That promise gives us peace and joy. Thanks be to God. be seated. Hear these words for the prayer of illumination. Let us pray. Radiant God, you are constantly revealing more of yourself to us. This Transfiguration Sunday, shine into our world and may we have the wherewithal to listen as you lead us. Close our mouths and open our hearts this day. In the name of one who surprises us with the fullness of his compassion, Jesus Christ. Amen. The gospel reading this morning is from Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. 
Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became bright as light. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about this vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd like to invite the children to come forward for our time together. Good morning. It's so good to see you guys. So you might have heard Miss Linda say that this Wednesday we start the season of Lent. And Lent starts with Ash Wednesday. I hope everyone has an opportunity to come and worship with us and have supper with us on Wednesday. And during the season of Lent, we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. And those are things that we do, sometimes here at the church, sometimes at home on our own, that help us to grow deeper in our faith or get closer to Jesus. So with our story today, I thought we would practice one of those spiritual disciplines. And it's one that a fellow who lived a long, long, long time ago um, used to talk about. His name was Ignatius of Loyola. And he said that we should all practice spiritual imagination. I wonder what that is. What do you think spiritual imagination is? Any adults? Do you have any idea what spiritual imagination might be? Well, I'll tell you. Ignatius of Loyola said that when we read scripture, it's sometimes helpful not just to read the exact words, but to imagine ourselves in that story. To think in our heads about how we might feel or what we might see or what we might experience in that story. And the story that Miss Linda just read is um, kind of one of those fantastic stories. It tells us about an encounter that Jesus had, and a couple of the disciples saw it, but it was amazing. It was like unbelievable. So I thought we would try some imagination with this story. Are you all ready? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask that you close your eyes, and I want you to think about a mountain. Imagine a mountain. It can be a tall mountain. It can be a short mountain. It can be covered in rocks or grass or trees. It can be hard to climb or easy to just go right up. Do you see that mountain? Now imagine 
going up on that mountain and getting to the very, very top of the mountain. Once you're there, you see Jesus. What does Jesus look like? What is Jesus wearing? Is he smiling? Imagine that. Now, as you're looking at Jesus, imagine that his clothes start to glow. And they're getting brighter and brighter and brighter. They're turning white. And we see light all around Jesus. Can you imagine what that looks like when Jesus is on the mountain and getting brighter and brighter and brighter? All right, you can open your eyes. What did you see? What was your mountain like? Rocks? Yeah. What? Did, what? It was big. And what about Jesus? Did you see Jesus on that mountaintop? He was wearing white. Uh-huh. Awesome. He was glowing. Very cool. Well, you know what? We are going to continue to do some spiritual imagination, but this time we're going to do it with a little help. Our choir is going to help us imagine this story. They're going to sing a song. And you can close your eyes and listen. You can look at the choir. But let's, let's hear how they help us imagine this story.
So what did you see? Did, could you imagine the image of Jesus on the mountain as they were singing, shine, Jesus, shine? And it flooded the whole earth, they said, with God's grace and mercy. That's some pretty cool imagining, isn't it? So maybe this season during Lent, as we're doing lots of spiritual disciplines, we can also practice spiritual imagination and, and imagine these stories as they come to life to us and as we think about them, as we hear them sung about, and as we live these stories out. Let's have a prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for the ability to imagine you on top of the mountain shining brightly for all to see. Help us to share that light and that love with others, we pray. Amen. Thank you all very, very much. You can return to your pew. So our epistle reading this morning comes from 2 Peter, reading from chapter 1. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns, and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by human will, but men and women, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gracious Lord, again, inspire in us spiritual imagination as we tend to this story. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you alone who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, if you didn't know this story before today, you know it now. You've heard it now several times. We've sung it. We've read it. The choir has interpreted it. But I imagine you do know this story because as our bulletin sidebar indicates, we read it every year from one of the Synoptic Gospels. This is a transition Sunday between the seasons of Epiphany and Lent. And this is the story of the Transfiguration, giving this Sunday its name, Transfiguration Sunday. Matthew tells us that Jesus intentionally takes Peter, James, and John up to the high mountain where he is transfigured before them. 
And we know from other places in the Bible that high mountains are important. It's there that Moses speaks with God and receives the law. It's there that Elijah summons God to defeat the prophets of Baal. It's on Mount Zion that the temple is built. And from a mountain that Jesus preaches his very first sermon. Mountains are thin places where the human and the holy meet. We know from the location alone then that this story will bear significance. Surely we are not disappointed as we read, read because as soon as Jesus reaches the pinnacle and is transfigured, it says there appearing with him are Moses and Elijah, a vision not only recalling their mountaintop moments, but reminding us that Moses, a great liberator of the Old Testament, and Elijah, a steadfast and faithful prophet of God, despite all the opposition he faced, that they summon to this gathering the law and the prophets. Matthew says that the disciples see Jesus speaking with Moses and Elijah, the Savior, salvation in conversation with Old Testament law and righteous living. The scene and the intensity are building in this thin place, and it doesn't stop there. Jesus miraculously appears with dazzling white clothes and a shining countenance, and we again remember Moses' mountaintop moment when, after speaking with God and receiving the law, his face, too, shone with brightness, so much so that he had to cover it when he came down from the mountain. Here, Jesus shines, filling the space with brilliance. Now, in Matthew's account, the story follows directly on the heels of Jesus teaching his disciples, saying for the very first time that the Son of Man must suffer and die, and on the third day be raised to life. This was a strange new teaching, unbelievable, really, to the disciples. And now our text says that six days have gone by and I can imagine the disciples had conveniently tucked that lesson out of their minds. But now, standing before them, they see Jesus shine. And it's a symbolic reference that anticipates the glory of the resurrection. So before anything else happens, in these first three verses alone, we look backward and we connect the past of Israel, the law, and the prophets that have brought them to this place, to this thin place. And we look forward, connecting Jesus' life, death, and resurrection with the story of God's activity in days gone by and in days to come. It is indeed a significant moment. There is more in this story to talk about, to be sure. 
There's Peter's mistaken intention to build tents and dwell there forever in the anticipation of Jesus' glory. The voice of God, much like during Jesus' baptism, descending upon him and illuminating again Jesus' true identity. There's the fear, apprehension, and tentativeness of the disciples who recognize the intensity of the moment. And Jesus' comfort and guidance, leading them just as he did up the mountain, but down too into the world where this revelation makes a difference. There's so much going on in this story, so much to ponder, to spiritually imagine and reflect upon, which is likely why we come back to it year after year. And reading this story year after year from the three Gospels who record it, you might begin to see some nuances between these accounts. For example, Mark has Jesus kneeling in prayer as the transfiguration begins. How does that change the story? In Luke's telling, not only does Jesus appear in glorious splendor, but so too do Moses and Elijah. What does that change mean? There are other distinctions, but the one that resonated with me in the reading this year has to do with listening while talking. Looking back to Mark's account, he shows Jesus speaking with Moses and Elijah. Then Peter interjects to offer to build them a living space there on the mountain. Then it says the cloud appeared and covered the mountaintop. Then the voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. The entire encounter is very step one, step two, step three. One thing happens and then the next and then the next. But go back and look at this passage that we have today from Matthew and how he nuances this story. Matthew's story is more fluid with events happening kind of all jumbled together. The most significant place you see this is in verse five. We learned that while Peter was still speaking, while he was trying to convince Jesus to make this a permanent thing, while his voice is still ringing out on the mountaintop, a bright cloud appears and a voice begins to declare, this is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. These events, instead of occurring in successive sequence, seem to happen all simultaneously. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever tried it, but it's very difficult to listen while you're talking. Just this week, I finished up premarital counseling sessions with a young couple here in the church. And I use a wonderful curriculum that's called Prepare Enrich to guide this part of their wedding journey. And one of the main foci for this program is thinking about practicing and improving communication. I'm sure it's no surprise to you, anyone who has been in any relationship, whether a marriage or friendship or with family, 
you know how crucial communication is to the success of that relationship. And one of the traps that we fall into while in conversation or discussion is called listening to respond. It's a very different approach than listening to understand. We all do it. We want to comprehend the other's argument or opinion only enough so that we can formulate our own argument or opinion even if they are congruent. And I promise we do this without even thinking about it. However, listening to respond does not allow us to actually hear the other person. Because while they're talking, we're already thinking in our minds what we're going to say back. And listening to respond encourages one of those no-nos in healthy conversation. And that's talking over somebody. And remember, it's hard to listen while talking. But since you already know what you want to say, you don't really need to let the other person finish what they're saying because you can just blurt it out. And they'll listen to you, right? Listening to respond keeps the focus on yourself. And listening to understand puts the focus on the other. By the way, if you've read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, popularized by Covey's book of the same title, he wrote about this too. He just calls it this way. He says, seek first to understand and then speak to be understood. Well, when we look back at our text this morning, we have some interesting communication dynamics going on. While Peter is still speaking, God is already on the move, making things happen. While Peter is still speaking, God speaks, confirming the identity of Jesus. Further, while Peter is still speaking, God tells him to listen. God obviously didn't read the seven habits of highly effective people. But I guess that's a good thing because something happens here in this story that I, I at least find is a blessing. Think about how much we miss by talking over another or listening to respond. How much do we miss when we just simply don't allow ourselves moments of silence or stillness? Especially in those thin places of life, those profound encounters or instances. Just like Peter, we rush in with our words or actions, ringing out, try to get ahead in the conversation or be a part of the conversation or probably more realistic, try to control the conversation. Here Peter is talking. He's over-functioning. And God envelops him in a cloud. And when that doesn't work, God interrupts, revealing more about Jesus. And then finally says, Peter, listen. You see, even we, when we can't find it in ourselves to stop, 
to stop talking, to stop listening to respond, to stop acting out of instinct, to stop forging our own way ahead, to stop and put Jesus right there in the center of our lives. Even when we can't, God is already moving on our behalf. In a way, God reminds Peter in this encounter that this is not about him. It's about God. It's about Jesus who will fulfill the proclamation that he has just made six days prior and who will ultimately act for Peter's good and for our good when he takes his place on the cross, even when we haven't stopped or listened to him or humbly taken our place beside him. You see, the transfiguration, this liminal place between Epiphany and Lent, it shines a dramatic light on the cross. The disciples didn't want to see it. They'd rather forget that prediction that Jesus made. And further, Peter just wants to jump straight to the future glory, build permanent houses when he saw Jesus embody the power of the resurrection on the mountaintop. Yet God was already moving, calling us to quiet, calling us to listen, calling us to listen, to understand that Jesus, the Christ, has come to draw from our past, which is represented by Moses and Elijah, and point to our future and the glory that awaits and in between those two stands the cross to which Jesus invites us to shine a light upon. We come down from the mountain, and Jesus will offer an invitation. He says, all those who want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. On Transfiguration Sunday, we leave Epiphany behind, and we begin to march on toward Lent, the season in which through our spiritual practices and disciplines, we can clarify and listen to understand what cross-bearing means for us. But today, we still stand in the light, the light of Jesus shining on the mountain, the light of the cross to come, and the light of the lesson that it's really difficult to listen while we're talking. Amen. Our affirmation this morning comes from a prayer. I invite you to stand with me as we declare together our prayer of affirmation. O oh God, we open our eyes and we see Jesus, his months of ministry transfigured to a beam of light, the light of the world, your light. May your light shine upon us. We open our eyes and we see Moses and Elijah, your word restoring us, 
showing us the way, telling a story, your story, his story, our story. May your word speak to us. We open our eyes and we see mist, the cloud of your presence, which assures us of all we do not know and that we do not need to fear. Teach us to trust. We open our eyes and we see Peter's plan for constructions, his best plans, our best plans, our missing the point, are missing the way. Forgive our foolishness and sin. We open our eyes and we see Jesus, not casting us off, but leading us down, leading us out to ministry, to people. Your love endures forever. We open our ears and we hear your voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him, and we give you thanks. Amen. You may be seated. Let us join our hearts and our minds and our imaginations together in prayer. O Lord, our God, Christ has been transfigured before us on a high mountain. You have revealed your way to us in Christ, the way of the cross and resurrection, and you call us to follow in this way of Jesus, showing his love and justice in our world. Indeed, in the power of Christ, you have enabled us to be your peace in the world. In his crucifixion, the violence of our world has been exposed as contrary to your way. Transfigure us by your spirit and shape us by your love to be disciples of Christ in our weary and broken world. In your spirit, O oh God, form us to be the liberating life that was displayed in Moses, the prophetic witness of Elijah, and the risen Christ to establish the new creation in the church and world. Let our lives shine like the transfigured Christ so that we might be a blessing to those who struggle, a hope to those dying, and a sign of your resurrection life to the world. And as we continue to struggle with gun violence in our communities, we pray that you would give us wisdom to know how to live peaceably in our world. We ask a special measure of wisdom for the leadership of our country and world that they might discern a path to end all violence and war. And may we be agents of your love for those within our church and within our communities. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God has indeed blessed us with the glory of love and light. So God, too, invites us to share these gifts of light to God's world. Let us receive our morning's offerings. Embolden us, mighty God, to give as fully as we have received and multiply the gifts we return to you now, that they may empower the lives of many with your glory and your grace. Amen. Our closing hymn is on the back of your bulletin, Jesus, Take Us to the Mountain.
Friends, hear again the voice from the cloud saying, you are my beloved. You are my beloved. So beloved of God, listen to Christ. Follow the way of Christ. Resist evil. Love one another as God in Christ loves us. Amen.